Never doubt the zone. Make you eat the crow. Laughing in your face. Laughing to the bank. She can keep the and welcome back to the Hard to Handle Sports Podcast. My name's Ismael San Juan. Thank you so much for being here. Finally getting to the Super Bowl. The 49ers lose to the Chiefs in heartbreaking fashion. 25 to 22. What does this mean for Shanahan going forward? How hard should the Chiefs pursue the three-peat? Um, also, also Janik Sinner wins the Rotterdam title. He's on a sick one right now. I was able to see him at the Australian Open. I was able to see him last year at Indian Wells. I'm hopefully going to be able to see him in a couple weeks' time at Indian Wells again. That dude is on fire. He is a menace, man. He is ridiculous. We got to talk about how good he's playing right now. All of that on this episode of the Hard to Handle Sports Podcast. Let's get started. First and foremost, I want to start off by acknowledging the shooting that happened at the Chiefs Parade. It was supposed to be a wonderful day for the Chiefs Kingdom, um, and by all accounts, it seems like it was prior to the shooting. Unfortunately, there was a shooting. Unfortunately, you know, this is very common in the U.S. I was actually going to record a pod that day, but then with everything that was going on, I just, uh, I don't know, I needed uh, some time to gather my thoughts, because um, it was it was a lot, not going to lie. Obviously, <laughs> I can't even imagine what, what it feels like going through it in person, being there, um, or maybe watching from from home and knowing that you have loved ones there, that that that's a feeling that I hope I never experience. Um, but yeah, just want to acknowledge um, my condolences, uh, you know, prayers to the families that were affected, especially the one loss of life that there was. Um, mother of two, I think she was age forty two. You know, my condolences to her family and. Yeah, man, smarter people have talked about this than me. Um, I'll just say, I mean, I hope there's some type of change. I hope something happens. But, I mean, we're uh, we're almost a week since the incident, and it just feels like we're just going to move on. And, like, it happens way too often here in the U.S. It just kind of seems like we're going to move on, and it is what it is. But hopefully something happens. I'm not holding my breath. This happens way too much. Um, we'll see what happens. We do have the World Cup coming to the U.S., to North America in about a little over two years, June 2026. It's it's almost here. We're going to welcome the world to the U.S. Um, it's, it's, it's labeled U.S., Mexico, Canada, but 75% of the games are going to be in the U.S. So it's basically the U.S. World Cup. Um, and we're inviting the world to come hang out here. And we'll see what happens. I mean, I hope there's no tragedies. I hope it's just a great month and a half of celebration of, of football. But man, I mean, that parade was supposed to be, you know, a celebration of the Super Bowl for the Chiefs with their people, and it turned into tragedy. And it just seems like in the U.S., anything could happen at any time. Like, it, it, it's just like, it, unfortunately, we're like the one country that, that that happens. And I'll just leave it at that. Hopefully something happens. But we'll see, we'll see, because, I mean, personally, thank God I have never been a part of a mass shooting, knock on wood, I hope I never experienced that, but this this is low-key, like, the closest I've been to experiencing this, like, every time I hear about a mass shooting, it's always, like, kind of, like, reactionary, like, I, I see, I hear about it after it already happened, like, on Twitter or something like that, I was actually 
it was I was at work on my lunch break watching First Things First live from the parade. And then out of nowhere, it just cuts to commercial and they do like 10 minutes of straight commercials. And I'm like, what What happened to the show? And then it cuts to Fox News and they're, they're reporting a shooting. And I'm like, what the hell? This is crazy. This is insane. And it just became like a, I got panicked for like the, the show I was watching, for the people there. And it's, it's as close as I've been to a shooting. I hope I never get closer than that. But even I was like taken aback and panicked. And I was like, damn, this is crazy. This is real. Like I was just trying to hear news, hoping there was no tragedies, hoping everything was good. But man, like I said, my condolences to the people that were affected by it. And, you know, I hope they get the help because I know, I know this is probably very traumatic and it could leave, you know, um, scars and like it can mess with your head and stuff like that. But now let's let's talk about the Super Bowl. The Chiefs beat the 49ers 25-22. to It was a great game. Um, a lot of the a lot of the takes that I'm hearing after the Super Bowl is like, is Shanahan ever going to get one? How close is Mahomes to being the goat? Um, should the 49ers have fired their defensive coordinator? Is Brock Purdy the guy? Like, how are we grading Brock Purdy? Those those are kind of like the the takes that I'm hearing. Was there a lot of holds on the 49ers? So I'll just quickly run through my through my top process on the game. I think, yeah, the holds. You could highlight some holds on the Chiefs, but I feel like if you look back, you could also highlight some holds that weren't called on the 49ers. So I, I don't think this game was like truly affected by the refereeing. I wouldn't say it was a it was a fix or like this this game was robbed or the Chiefs have the refs in their favor. I will say it's kind of crazy that they haven't had a hold in three Super Bowl games, but that's for that's that's a different case. We got to look back at the other two games. This one specifically. It was like, okay, I could see they're letting them play, kind of. And it, that's, it was kind of like even for the most part. Purdy, I think he played decent. I think he played decent. I don't think anyone could look at that Super Bowl and be like, they lost because of him. But you might be able to say they didn't win because of him, which is different. This is different. Like... Could he have made a couple more plays to win them the game? Yes. Did his play, like, stand out as, like, why they lost? No. That's what I'm trying to get at. Watching Purdy, watching Purdy in the Super Bowl with Shanahan, it still does feel like, like the playbook is not completely wide open to him. It doesn't feel like, I've heard this term used before, like, grown-up quarterback play. And, and to me, that, that means, like, any play for the most part, obviously within reason. But any play is open. Any play is open. Any type of rhythm that we want to um, run our offense is open. And it doesn't matter um, how much time is left or how unlikely it seems that we could drive to get points to end the half. We're going to use our timeouts and we're going to be strategic and try to give our offense a chance because the idea or the chance of getting points is more likely or more important than, you know, any concerns we might have that our quarterback is going to throw a pick and put us in a bad situation. It still kind of feels like there's a little bit of a little bit of drawback, a little bit of, like you know, hesitation when it comes to calling plays and just letting Purdy air it out. It still feels like. 
there's a little, you know, like let me rein him rein him in a little bit. Let me not let him throw, you know, this 20-yard in-breaking route. Let me not call this timeout before the half so that I give Purdy a chance to go take us down the field with like a minute left and no timeouts or something like that. It just that's just how it feels. It just feels like Shanahan still hasn't just been like, you know what? Fuck it. <laughs> if you fuck up, it's on you. If if you get it done, great for us. But I'm just gonna let I'm just gonna take all the reins off and let you do your thing. It still feels like he's holding him back just a little bit. Just enough where it's noticeable. And I think Shanahan just has to let go and see what he really has, you know. It's great to, you know, cater an offense to your quarterback, try to limit the mistakes. Um, obviously, they see him in practice more, but for Purdy to take that next step, because he's putting up the numbers and stuff like that, for him to take that next step, he has to just be playing full adult growing up quarterback. No, no reins. Like, if we think we need to apply pressure to Mahomes in that offense, like, let's go. Let's do it. Fourth down, let's go. Or third and long, we're going to call big boy plays obviously screens and end rounds and all these designs that Shanahan be drawing up they're good they work but sometimes like you know those end rounds those screens those bubble screens they're not gonna those crossing rounds short crossing rounds they're not gonna be there you're gonna have to call your big boy hang in the pocket let the play develop and obviously that right side of the line it's pretty bad pretty atrocious so maybe that's why but that's what I'm seeing going into this next year because the Chiefs were thoroughly outplayed by the 49ers in the first half for for big stretches of, of the beginning of the game. That was a 49ers game to be had, and they were only up like 10 or 7 for the most part. Like They couldn't stretch that lead, and they just let Mahomes stick around, and you let Mahomes stick around, he's going to make you pay 100%. So I think that's what, you know, Shannon has to do with Purdy. He just got to let go and see see what happens with Purdy when you call him a big boy growing up offense, when it's not just bubble screens and nicely designed plays. I will say this. They could use a more of a... Jennings played good, and a Uke, you know, did it. He's all right. He did all right. But, like, they need, they need, like, a true number one wide receiver, maybe. Help out Purdy. Debo, he's great after the catch. He's a good football player. He could do a lot of things that McCaffrey could do from the backfield and cash in. As a wide receiver, he's not like a number one. He is a great player when you consider everything, but pure wide receiver, he's he's definitely not like top 10. Neither is a Uke, even though he had a breakout season. Um, so maybe that's where they go. But yeah, I don't think... Uh, I will say this. There's a lot of 49ers I've talked to, 49er fans that are super down on Shanahan and they're saying that he's never going to win one. I don't I don't think that's the case. That's not my takeaway from this. My takeaway from this is that the 49ers, you know, they're the favorites going into next year to win the Super Bowl. The NFC is the, weak, the weaker conference by far. Just look at the quarterbacks. The 49ers still have one other year of Purdy being cheap. And even, even when they pay Purdy, I think Shanahan's good enough that the core of the 49ers is good enough to continue to keep going at least to the NFC Championship game. And if your season starts at the NFC Championship or, like, you're consistently getting there, anything can happen, man. Anything can happen. A couple balls bounce your way. 
you know you don't have the shank punt hitting someone's ankle you don't have you know McCaffrey fumbling in the first drive like you don't have this weird stuff going on and you could potentially win a Super Bowl if you look at Elway he was 0-3 in the Super Bowl before he won his last two um there's a lot of cases where you know you're you're not a winner till you win. I mean, it, it's that simple. Uh, Jokic is looked like is looked at in a way different light now because he won that championship than just a year ago. He had a lot of um, you know detractors and haters and stuff like that. You win one, it changes everything. So, is Shanahan gonna win one? Guaranteed? No. Do I think this you know closes the book on him and he could never win one? No, I think he has. He still has a good chance to win one, and I still rate him as a coach. I don't think they lost because of Shanahan. That whole deferring for the overtime and all of that. I mean, this is the first time that a, a game really goes to overtime with the new with the new rules with a lot of importance. So I I think he, I would have probably deferred, but I can't I can't blame him for wanting the ball first. Uh, people keep comparing it to soccer penalties I, I i saw a lot of wrong comparisons people were saying like oh and in, in a penalty shootout you you always go second which is not true i was seeing a lot of people comment that on on like instagram and stuff like that and that's not true in penalties you want to go first because you apply pressure to the second team like you score and now that team is playing from behind like they know they got to score they got the pressure of knowing that um this could be it like if I don't score this, we're out. Whereas if you go first, even if you miss, the pressure goes to your keeper. Like, oh, I got to stop one or else we're out, which is different. And then it, the pressure comes to them too, knowing that like if I score, this game's over. But, you know, it also adds the pressure. In soccer, definitely you want to go first for penalties. So I'm not I'm the comparison. the comparison isn't apples to apples because... In soccer, you get one chance to score per person, right? So, like, it's five on five, and then each person gets one shot at the goal, and then whoever scores the most out of the five, or then you go into sudden death. With football, it's different because you get four chances on each down, you know? So even though you could be feeling jitters, and, and then by the second, third down, you're kind of focused on the drive, you know, so it's different. It's not it's not completely like I, I wouldn't compare penalties and overtime like that, because in penalties, you definitely want to go first. And in overtime, that that same pressure, like if the Niners would have scored a touchdown and now the 49ers, I mean, if the Niners would have scored a touchdown and then the Chiefs get the ball, that added pressure um, is kind of nullified by having an extra down. You know, like, yeah, there's pressure that we got to go score a touchdown because the Niners just scored one. We know that we got to go score a touchdown. That could be a lot of pressure. Like, fuck, like, we really need to go down the field. Like, it's second and 10, and we still, got, we know that we can't fuck up. We got to go down the field. But, you know, you get that fourth down, which is, I think, added super important. Like, you can't quantify an extra down. So the the pressure, even the, the pressure that would be added knowing that you got to damn, I got to go basically ace this test, go score a touchdown. Okay, but you get an extra 10 minutes. You, you know, you get an extra down. That, that's not the case in penalties. It's either, it's like boom, boom, boom. 
he scored, I gotta go score. He scored, I gotta go score. He scored, I gotta go score. It's not, there's no added down in that situation. So I don't think it's apple to oranges. Um, all of that to say, I don't think Shanahan truly messed up by getting the ball first. Yeah, I would have gone second, but I can see his reasoning for the third one. I can see why the Chiefs would go for two if they were match. You know, it is what it is. If the Chiefs would have scored a field goal to tie it up and then um, they don't even get the chance to go for two, you know, like if it was like fourth and 10 from inside of 25, they're kicking that field goal. They're not going for it on fourth and 10. And then at that point, the Niners have a chance to win with the field goal. And then Shanahan looks vindicated. How hard should the Chiefs go for the three-peat? All of this, all of these last two years, I've heard, I've heard people tell the Chiefs, talk about how the Chiefs should kind of mortgage their future to get a wide receiver. They owe it to Mahomes. Um, and, you know, the point that Chiefs fans have been saying, or namely, you know, Nick Wright, probably the most known Chiefs fans at this point, he's basically saying, I would understand that if if Mahomes was like 33, 34, you know, 35, and he mortgaged the future down the line five years. When Mahomes is 40, he might be retired. Uh, that's why you do it, because, you know, cap is real. You, you, it doesn't just go away. You, you just keep pushing it back, pushing it back. And then if you have, it's kind of what the Saints did. They pushed it back. They pushed it back because they thought that Breeze could win one at the end of his career. And unfortunately, he, he couldn't win one. But so now they're kind of cap playing catch up. But it doesn't matter because Breeze is, Breeze is gone. He's retired. They knew that their best chance at getting a Super Bowl was with him. Basically, what Nick Wright was saying is we still got Mahomes for like 10 plus years, hopefully. So when are you going to kick? Um, he's still going to be here when when that cap is due. You know, if you push the cap four or five years, he's going to be like 32, 33 at the time. Two years ago, this year, when people were saying that. So it doesn't really benefit Mahomes to, you know, get that big wide receiver, push the cap down the line to go all in right now. Because he's still going to be in his prime or he's still going to be a really good quarterback when that cap is due in a couple years. And it makes sense. I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. Like, that's very smart thinking. Like, you could just, you got, you just got to play the cap smart as you go because his prime is so long. You don't want to mortgage your future when he's still going to be there. But now that they've won two in a row, how important is this three-peat? Because, you know, there's a lot of conversations about how many rings does Mahomes have to win for him to pass Brady as a GOAT. You know, people, some people are saying, you know, he needs to get to seven, especially since Brady beat him twice in the playoffs, once in the AFC Championship, once in the Super Bowl. Others would say he's playing so good, the eye test, this is the best we've ever seen. 50 touchdowns his first year as a starter, you know, three championships in four or five years. He's the best to ever do it. He only needs five. There's a lot. So there's a little, there's the public isn't aligned with the same beliefs on how many he needs to, you know, really pass Brady as the GOAT. But one thing that will help him is a three-peat. It's never been done before in the NFL. And I think if he gets a three-peat, then it really bolsters his claim to be the GOAT. First to ever do it, you know, you can't. People might replicate it. It might happen again, but you can't ever be the first one to do it. So is it worth mortgaging your future now? Obviously, individual Super Bowls, nah. Like, let's just play it out. But if we have history on the line, 3 Pete, 
is inside. You can see the three P. It's right there. It's it's in your grasp. Should the Chiefs kind of maybe mortgage a little bit of their future cap to be able to bring in a wide receiver, maybe keep um, Jones or defensive player, keep everyone there for the three P. Like, is it worth maybe you know borrowing a little cap from a couple years down the line to really go for this three P? Obviously, they've won two in a row. Even if they don't do that, they might still do it. You know, even if they don't mortgage the future, they might still do it. That's how good the, their defense is. Mahomes is Andy Reid and Kelsey in the playoffs. So they might not have to do it. But as Chiefs fans, would you mortgage maybe 10, 15% of the cap in a couple years to go get a wide receiver and really like Vegas has you as number two? Keep, keep that in mind. Vegas has the Niners as the favorites to win the Super Bowl next year. Would you mortgage a little bit of the future to go get a true number one? That's the question. Um, I don't know. I'm still thinking about that one because, you know, they've won two in a row without, a, you know, a top wide receiver. But a top wide receiver would put the Chiefs, you know, right up there as, like, their chances would go way up to get that Super Bowl. We'll see how it plays out. I think I would personally do it. If I'm Mahomes, I would probably ask for it. I'm like, bro, we got to go for this 3P. I know we have a great team. We could probably still win it without, you know, doing that. But let's just raise our chances to do this 3P, this historic 3P. I would, I would be like, come on, give me, give me T. Higgins real quick. <laughs> I don't know. I, I think I would do it, though. And to conclude, Sinner's a dog. Sinner's a monster. He wins another title in Rotterdam. He beats the demon, Deminoir. For the seventh time in their career, he's 7-0 against Deminar. He looks good. He looks good. Deminar, got to give him props. He's definitely improved um, these last few years, namely 2024. He looks he looks nice. He looks nice. I think he ble- I believe he just pushed himself back into the top 10. Um, yeah, Sinner's, Sinner's on fire. Uh, Alcaraz still struggling. Still um, can't make a final to save his life can't win another title in like nine months now eight nine months so you know all that hype that was going towards Alcaraz and deserve deservedly so we got to start pushing some towards center center's very quiet center's you know he's always smiling he's such a humble person he, like that's that's the way he comes off so I can see why it's taking people some time to like give him his flowers but dude my my boy is cooking dude he's cooking um, he's undefeated for the year. I think he's won 23 out of his last 24 matches. He He's just on fire. He's, he's an extraordinary player. He's must-watch TV. Um, I'm super excited to be going to Indian Wells in a couple of weeks' time. I saw him last year. Uh, I believe he was playing gasket when I saw him last year. Super excited to see him again this year. But, man, what a dog, dude. Sinner is on fire. He's cooking. Um, Deminar played tough, though. It was 5-4. Sinner was serving for the first set and Deminar breaks back to push a 5-5 I was like damn uh, that was that was dope Deminar way to dig in there Sinner's like throwing himself on the floor with his racket trying to get the return Sinner breaks him back or breaks him right away to get that 6-5 close it out 7-5 and then the second set was a little easier and Rotterdam champion Johnny Sinner what a dog he goes up to number 3 and I would not be surprised if he gets that number one spot pretty soon, man. He is on fire. He's that forehand is blistering. That backhand is like Djokovic-like. The way he could just snap it, sliding, 
Like that defense is amazing. He's he's cooking. He's cooking right now. And Janik for that number one spot is very real. Everyone just got to keep watching Janik, man. If you if you have not seen Janik play tennis, try to catch try to catch him on TV. Indian Wells wherever. He's absolutely on fire right now. He definitely is playing the best tennis in the world right now. We'll see what Alcaraz and um, Djokovic have to say. Probably at Indian Wells will be the next time all three of them are in the same tournament. But I think it's going to be a lot of fun. And I just wanted to give Johnny Center even more props after winning the AAO. Now he wins Rotterdam. I could see him winning Indian Wells. If he plays Miami, he could potentially do the Sunshine Double. We'll see. Just... He's killing it this year. He killed it to end last year. Sinner's on fire. But that should do it for this episode of the Hearts Handle Sports Podcast. As always, if you made it to the end, I highly appreciate it. Thank you so much. Make sure to hit the subscribe button on the pod, on YouTube, wherever you're listening to this. Peace.